So if you reframe your sales thinking as an invitation to a conversation about how you can help that prospect get what they want, all the pressure tends to get removed from the sales process. You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm Steve Gordon. For the first five years, this podcast was known as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. The episode you're about to hear uses that name, but don't worry, you're in the right place. Same great content, new name. Enjoy. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and man, we've got a dynamite interview for you today. If you need to sell and maybe you're not as confident with selling or maybe you don't even like selling, um, which is, I, I can tell you, that's where I was 20 years ago when I was first starting off in my career as a, in a profession where I loved what I did, but I didn't want to go out and sell it all today. This is going to be the interview for you. You're going to uh, learn an awful lot about selling and you're going to find a really great resource that will help you do it and be authentic as you're doing it. Today, I'm talking with David Newman. He is the author of Do It Selling 77 Instant Action Ideas to Land Better Clients and Bigger Deals and Higher Fees. And he's also the founder of Do It Marketing, uh, and he's got an MBA mentoring program there. He's the host of The Selling Show, um, which is one of the best business podcasts. I highly recommend you go subscribe to it. And he is one of just a handful of people who is a multiple time guest on our podcast right here. Uh, and I'm super excited to have him back. David Newman, welcome back to The Unstoppable CEO. Hey, Steve, it's great to be here. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, great to have you. So, um, you know, give us a little update. What, what's been going on in your world other than, you know, you're a newly published third time author and and uh, you've been you know hit hitting uh, all of the book marketing channels and podcasts and i'd love to hear uh, what's going on uh, in your world since we spoke last sure totally well i think you know the um the whole concept of sales for professional services firms and also independent experts they really don't like sales so you have to put a little bit of sugar in the medicine and my first book, Do It Marketing, if you really look at that book, it's 30% sales content because I feel that a marketing book that takes you through lead generation, but then it stops when the dog catches the car. It's like, well, wait a minute. I got a live one. What do I do? What do I say? What do I send? It's like, sorry, this is a marketing book. Goodbye. Good luck. And then you read some sales books which are filled with some old school strategies that probably don't fit for professional services experts, because obviously selling professional services is very different than selling cars or products or widgets. So there was kind of this gap and I figured, okay, well, we have the do it marketing book that was 30% veiled sales content. And uh, why don't we write a book with, with unveiled sales content to really help that professional services seller who just first and foremost hates to sell. So I'm, I'm gonna channel a little bit of our listeners here, Steve. They're probably thinking when they hear the word sales, David, I'd rather get a root canal than spend another minute selling, pitching and peddling my stuff. Oh, wait a minute, another book about cold calling? Oh, I can't wait to start cold calling and coming across like a desperate spammer and a goofball, no thank you. Or they're thinking, you know, old school, high pressure sales tactics, they just don't work for me. And they don't work for me because they don't work on me. And then the final one is, oh my gosh, 
sales seems so random. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And there has to be a more systematic way or a more systematic process that I can start having sales success more consistently. So if that's you, we are going to have a fantastic conversation right here, right now. And uh, that's that's how and where the book came from, Steve. Well, you know, it, I've been working in professional services my whole career. It is the the challenge in professional services. You have people who are so amazing at what they do. They've got all this talent. They deliver all this value to their clients. And an awful lot of the time, they have no idea how to communicate that value in a way that attracts clients to them. So they they get frustrated and, and they don't know how to have those conversations. And it's scary. And, you know, I, I hear in what you're talking about there, you know, kind of embedded under that is a way of thinking about it, like a mindset towards sales. So how how do you feel that that listener who's listening to this right now and they, they registered with what you said, how do they need to shift how they think about selling? Well, the, it all starts with mindset. So in the mindset category, I have good news and I have other news. The 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 good news is that what you think sales is all about is not what sales is all about. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, the other news is it's easy to get discouraged in sales and sales success is slightly harder than it looks, but only slightly harder than it looks, but it's a heck of a lot easier than you've been making it. So there are so many professional services sellers who overcomplicate, overthink, overanalyze, overparalyze themselves before they even begin. So the first piece of mindset shift is to please, please, please let all of that go. Let all of that go. I would invite you to reframe the sales process as invitations and conversations. So think of selling and even take out the word selling or sales. You can delete those from your vocabulary. Let's replace them with an invitation process. And specifically, it's an invitation to a conversation. Let's break those two down. How many people, Steve, are afraid of an invitation? Typically, nobody is afraid of an invitation. Invitations are usually good. So you go to a party with either cake or bourbon or barbecue or puppies, and it's generally a good thing to get an invitation. Second part, who's afraid of a conversation? Usually we look forward to conversations. Conversations are engaging. You learn things, you get to meet cool people, you exchange ideas with them. Some of those people may even become your new best friends. So if you reframe your sales thinking, as an invitation to a conversation about how you can help that prospect get what they want, all the pressure tends to get removed from the sales process. The final piece of this mindset shift is I want you to think of every sales conversation as a job interview, except you are the interviewer. You are the interviewer. And the job position that you're looking to fill is, quote, my next client. That's the job position. So not only are you evaluating them probably even more than they're evaluating you, 
but you want to make sure that they're a great fit and that they're the exact kind of client with whom you do your best work. So the moment that you look at this as a peer-to-peer, adult-to-adult conversation, and you're not showing up on their doorstep, you're not begging, you're not persuading, you're not convincing, you're not chasing, you're not doing any of those subservient sales behaviors, but you're think of this as a lean-back strategy. So lean back in your chair, you've got nothing to hide, nothing to prove, And it is an adult-to-adult conversation to see if it makes sense to go to the next step. As soon as you reframe that as an invitation to a conversation, and then the conversation unfolds the way that I describe, it is an entirely different energy that you come into every single sales conversation with. I love that. So, I mean, when you position it as an invitation, Anytime you get invited to something, it's usually exciting, right? Yes. It's exciting for the person being invited. And the presumption is that you as the one doing the inviting have something, some really great experience waiting for that person that they're going to anticipate, which I like. Totally right. You know, and I'm just trying to think of the last time that I really got excited and anticipated a sales conversation. I recently bought a car. I was not excited or anticipating the process of buying that car, right? Uh, I wanted the car, but the selling part of that that you have to go through was not like that. But what you're talking about is something very different. So what does that conversation look like? How does it unfold so that it actually can fulfill on this idea that you're inviting someone to this really great event that's going to be good for them? So I want to answer that question, but first I want to I want to talk about client selection or prospect selection. Because to have a really great conversation or a really great party, you have to invite the right people. You can't just invite random strangers off the street and go, "Hey, hey, woohoo, party." So, inviting the right people to the right conversation is the first step. So, this is an area where experts get really really squishy. And we say Uh, You know, who's your ideal client profile? Who's your ICP? Who is your 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 avatar? Who is your buyer persona? And all this marketing jargon, they're like, I don't know, Steve, I don't know. So I'm going to break this down into five very simple questions. Question number one, don't start with you. Don't start with your preferences. Don't start with the people who you like. Who do you get the best results for? That would be criteria number one. Criteria number two, now we are shifting back to your side of the table. Who do you really enjoy working with? And who have you enjoyed working with historically? So you would literally not mind being on a desert island with those people. So think about two diametrically opposed types of clients, a a community bank president versus a startup software founder, right? They are completely wired differently. Some people are much more comfortable with the bank president and they would love to be on an island with bank presidents. Other people are much more comfortable with the startup software founder. You need to find your people because you are their person just as much as they are your people. Number three, who would be fun to work with? Uh, Number four, what kind of engagement would be exciting for you? So think in terms of what is your ideal depth, duration, and detail? 
Are you a, a one trick pony where maybe you go in and you give a keynote speech and then you parachute out again? So very short term, one day training, one day seminar, one day strategic work session, and then you're back on the plane going home. If that's your sweet spot, that's the kind of work that you want to do. On the other hand, you might be a consultant and you say, well, you know, I like speaking, I like training, but man, oh man, give me a 12 month engagement. Give me an 18 month engagement. Give me two or three years with a company and I will totally transform the entire organization in this miraculous, amazing way. So you also have to know, you know, what in what format your expertise is going to be of the most value to people. And then the last one, number five, this is again, decision-making criteria for who you're going to invite to a conversation. Who are some of the big dogs in your industry who would give you instant credibility and that marquee name recognition? Uh, in some of our sales training, we call this having the right names to drop and the right stories to tell that give you sort of instant validation. And it's like, oh, well, if you worked with them, then we definitely want to work with you. And those clients might be clients that are also on your radar. So once you have a really good, clear, firm decision, let's talk about first contact because first contact is what scares the living daylights out of so many consultants and so many professional services firms. So the first thing I recommend is to separate, separate your prospecting process into a give and an ask. And a give is purely a helping call. So when we invite people to a conversation, it is really to their benefit to hop on the phone with you and have a diagnostic helping call with no offer, no pitch, no veiled agenda, other than to audition them and to really find out, does this person fit my job description for my next ideal client? And assuming that they do, that first contact conversation should be really helpful and really focused a thousand percent on them. So let's break down how to have this conversation. The first question is really, really important. So my first question in my diagnostic conversation is, tell me where you've been on this professional journey with problem X. So if you're a strategy consultant, strategy. If you're a marketing consultant, marketing. If you're an innovation consultant, innovation. Tell me where you've been. Give me some of the you know, bumps along the road. And then we'll spend the rest of our time talking about where you'd like to go. And what does that do? Well, that gets people talking. That gets people talking for about five to seven minutes. And when you ask that great opening question, that is the purpose of that great opening question is to open them up for five to seven minutes. The sooner in the sales conversation that you get them talking, the more sales you will close. So now you have a little bit of a background uh, and you also have a little bit of an insight into their personality and uh, how, how they talk and how they convey information. So the second killer question in this helping call is, Hey, Barbara, do you mind for the purposes of our conversation today if I treat you like a fee paid client? Now, at this point, they're like, oh, wow, yes, that would be great. That's one answer. The other answer is, well, I think so. But David, what what does that mean? And my standard answer is that means that I'm going to give you some specific advice 
I may interrupt and redirect our conversation to make sure that you get the maximum value from our time together. And I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. Is that okay with you? And Steve, when you do this, there's like a visible, if you're on Zoom, there's a visible, if you're just on a phone, it's an audible, there's an audible sigh where they go, oh, that would be great. Yes, we've had this problem for so long. I really want some objective outside advice. Yes, yes, yes. So what what have you done there? You've given permission to interrupt, redirect, dig in, be as be as investigative and as as clear as you possibly can and to hold up the mirror and share some harsh truths with them. So now we're we're having this helping call as if they're already a client. The soundbite here is when you treat prospects like clients, you will get a lot more clients. And then what do you do at the end of this call? At the end of this call, the way to wrap it up, the way to land the plane, hey, Bob, I've got one final question for you, and then I'll throw it back to you for any final questions that you'd like to ask me. And so before we wrap up, I've got one more question. There are two kinds of people that tend to book these calls. The first kind of person, they just want the free advice and free information, and that is 100% cool. The second kind of person, they also want the free advice and the free information, but at the same time, they're test driving what a working relationship with me might feel like. I gotta ask you, which camp do you find yourself in? Now, Steve, you will be amazed. Maybe you won't be amazed. I, 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 I was amazed. 30% of people say, oh no, I was definitely in test drive mode. I went to your website. I saw your profile on LinkedIn. I read that latest blog of yours. I knew you were the guy. I knew that we needed some help in this area. So yes, I'm in test drive mode, 30%. So why is that percentage so high? Guess why they book a call with you? They don't book a call with you because they're bored. They don't book a call with you because nothing good on Netflix that day. They book a call with you because they have a problem or they have an urgent priority or they have a, an urgent opportunity that they would like to maximize. So they're not going to waste their time booking a call if they're just going to, you know, tire kick, window shop, whatever. So 30% will, will say that. 50% will say, nope, we're good. Awesome. Thank you. I know where you live. We'll get back in touch if we need anything. This call was super helpful. You're great. You're awesome. We love you. What about the other 20%? The other 20% will have some variety of, you know, Steve, I had no intention of hiring a consultant. I had no intention of bringing someone into our company, but this 30 minute call was so valuable and you helped me see some things that I wasn't even thinking about before. I think we do now need some help and I'd love to talk to you about what working together might look like. So when you get the positive response, the final way to close this out is, Bob, I really appreciate that. I'm excited to hear that you'd like to learn more about working together. Please understand that was not the purpose of our time together today. Purpose of our time together today was purely a helping call. It was all about you and it was purely meant to deliver value. Because you're interested in talking about what becoming a client might look like, let's book a time today or tomorrow. Are you in front of your calendar? Yes, I am. Fantastic. 
I've got Thursday at two. I've got Thursday at four. By the way, I'm on Eastern time. We can also talk Friday at 11. Which one works better for you? Oh, David, let's do tomorrow at two. Fantastic. I'll send you a calendar link. Looking forward to speaking with you. Talk more tomorrow, two o'clock. So what, what have you done there? You have set, this is really important. You must set up the sales call at the end of the helping call before you hang up. Before you hang up on the call, you set up the sales call. Why? Because they have asked for a sales call. They have said, I would like to talk to you about what working with you looks like. I would like to talk to you about hiring you and bringing you in. So you got to strike while the iron is hot. Do not hang up. Do not send a calendar link. Do not follow up with an email. Book the call right then and there on their calendar. At that point, they've asked for a sales conversation. They know it's a sales conversation. You know it's a sales conversation. And you also maintain the integrity of your helping call by not pitching and not, not doing a bait and switch where the helping call becomes the sales call. There's that very clean, high integrity demarcation point and you've given them a chance to think about, oh my God, you know, this is gonna be so great, this is gonna be so awesome. They're probably taking notes, they're probably bringing questions to that sales call that they would not be prepared for if you had gone right from the helping call into the sales call. So that's what I mean by invitation to a conversation. Yeah, and I love the way that you lay that out because it, it sets all of the expectations all the way through the process. It, and it keeps you aligned with the prospect. But the other thing it does is it it takes, I think, a lot of the pressure off of that initial conversation. I, I think that's where a lot of professionals get hung up because, you know, you're it's it's the hardest business in the world because you're selling your own expertise, right? Which means that you are Clark Kent and Superman all at the same time. And, you know, you've got to start off and investigate and ask the questions and get the story up front and you know and then try and go and make the quick change in the sales mode in the phone booth and come back out and and sell them the solution it's really hard to do for most people um and so that that allows them to avoid all of that so how do you get someone because i know this is in, in somebody's mind that's great david but you know i need somebody to talk to and to invite in the first place how do you get the person there to the point where you can invite someone? Fantastic question. So I think there's a couple things. You you definitely want to have an active target list. So I, I call this your active 20. These are 20 specific companies, executives, entrepreneurs, actual human beings that you would like to do business with, and you research them. And when I say research, it's almost like digital stalking. So you go to the website, you go to the press release page, you go to the media page, you search LinkedIn for all the C-suite executives. You look at any media mentions, local media, national media. Uh, what are these people doing? Where are they quoted? Where are they featured? What's happening? Number one, in their industry that might be putting some forces on them at this particular moment, but what's specifically happening with their company? And you're looking for both good news and bad news. Good news is things like, well, good news or bad news, uh, merger, acquisition, hiring, firing, opening up new markets, hiring new 
new team, expanding new offices, taking advantage of new opportunities, whatever it is that they're doing. And then after that, you do a little bit of creative problem solving and figure out the answer to these three questions. If I reach out to this person, they're going to ask three questions because we all ask these three questions. We're both sellers and prospects in life. So imagine the last time someone sent you some cold outreach that was either really good or it was totally generic. The three questions that we always ask as prospects, why this, why me, why now? Why why are they sending me this? Like, how in the world is this relevant? Why me? Why did they choose me in particular to send this to? Is this my job function? Is this related to my responsibilities? So why me? And then why now? Why didn't this come in three months ago? Why didn't this come in three months from now? What is it about this current moment that we're going through as a company or as an executive or as an entrepreneur? So what was it that sparked this thing in a timely manner? So the way that you do the industry research, the way that you do the prospect research, and the way that you make your approach. So for example, imagine if someone someone taps me on the shoulder on, on, on LinkedIn and says, hey, David, I, I heard your podcast interview on Steve Gordon's show. Congratulations on the new book. And we have this new piece of software that helps you take your book sales from zero to hero on Amazon. Would this be worth a short chat? That's it. It is literally, why me? Why this? Why now? Right? So trigger event or what? what's the common ground? I see that you have this problem or situation or opportunity. The call to action, this is a three-line email, Steve, three-line email. Is this worth a short chat? Now, Steve, you, you know this because you're in the book business. I, I know this because I'm an author. When an author has a new book, they're willing to sell their children. They will talk to anybody and ever. Oh, you'll help me sell more books? Yes. Yes, I want to talk to you about your amazing new Amazon ads algorithm platform thingy. Uh, yes, I want to talk to you about my book launch. Yes, I want to talk to you about whatever. But notice to write that email, it was super short, but they had to do their homework. There's no easy, quick, hey, you know, here's how to tell if your initial prospecting outreach is great or terrible. It's terrible if you can take it, copy it, paste it to 50 other prospects, and that's your outreach, because that means it's completely irrelevant spam. Hey, David, heard you on Steve's podcast. Well, okay, that's that's pretty specific. See, you have a new book coming out on Amazon. It's like, that's even more specific. We have this really cool new Amazon algorithm software that will help you sell a ton more books. Would that be worth a short chat? So one of my goals, one of my priorities, like, how did you know this is freaky? Uh, that's the kind of specific prospecting. That's impossible to copy, paste, and send to anybody else. That had to be written for me. And it immediately answers, why me? Why this? Why now? That's how that works. But David, I can't scale that. What do I do? Well, you sort of can. And, and here's why you can. I mean, if we were selling stuff for like five bucks, no, you're right. You can't, you can't scale that. Most business book authors, most consulting firms, most consultants 
we sell things from anywhere from 10K to 500K. So really, can you have an active 20 prospect list where you spend 15 minutes researching each of those 20, come up with a three-line email or LinkedIn message that is specific to that CEO, that VP, that executive, that entrepreneur, and put 20 people in your pipeline over the course of, let's say, three days? I think you could. And then could you spend the rest of the 27 days that month reaching out, going to first conversation, helping call to sales call, sales call to second sales call, sales call to, oh my gosh, this is great. Boom, $25,000 here, $50,000 here, 125K here, 40K here. Typically, we don't need a lot of these five-figure and six-figure sales to have a pretty good month. People that say that, you know, so, so there's two kinds of panic when we show this to, to consulting firms. Number one, we have no prospects. We have no idea where to look. We have no idea where to find anybody. And then we show them this and they go, oh my God, David, there's too many prospects. It, it doesn't scale. I can't do a hundred of these a day. It's like, it, it might not scale, but we're not in the scale business. We're in the high fee, low volume business. Most consulting firms, most solo consultants, for sure, they're super happy with four or five sales a month at that five-figure and six-figure level. So it doesn't scale, but the good news is it doesn't have to because we're not selling widgets. Thank you. I preach that all day long. And I the question still comes up because I think people sometimes feel like it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be a lot of probably hard manual labor that doesn't seem all that interesting to go stalk the prospects online and build the list. But you're not talking about a list of a thousand. You're talking about 20 and yeah. then rinse and repeat every month or every other month and follow the process again. And, and I would imagine that a lot of that work can actually be done by, you know, if you've got a, a, a team, even of one other person, a lot of that work can be done there so that you're you're still focused on the really high value stuff in, in the business. Totally right. I mean, this is totally trainable with a good virtual assistant. Uh, they can do even the first two or three steps of this. And obviously, when it comes to an initial conversation, that's when you get involved. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that that makes the whole process eminently doable, which is, I guess, why you call it do it selling, right? That's why we call it do it selling. So I've shifted my mindset. I've now got a method to prospect and I've got my 20 people and that's turned into some sales conversations or some invitations to conversation and I'm having those. It seems so simple. Is that all there is to it? Well, yes and no. I mean, I mean, it is a 250 page book. <laughs> I think another trap. So now, now let's go to the first sales conversation or the second sales conversation. Consultants, experts of any kind, our big Achilles heel is that we love our stuff. And the temptation is going to be to talk about our stuff instead of talk about their problems or their outcomes. The moment that you start talking about your stuff, your methodology, your training, your tools, your binders, your, your courses, your assessments, you totally commoditize yourself. 
And now it's a race to the bottom of how low can we go on the pricing for this poor sap who thinks it's all about the assessments, the training, the coaching, the consulting. How many sessions? Are they 45-minute sessions, Steve? Are they 60-minute sessions? Do we get workbooks? Are the workbooks 50-page workbooks or 90-page workbooks? How long are the coaching calls? Are these hour-long coaching calls? Are they 90-minute coaching calls? Oh, they're only 30-minute coaching calls. Oh, I'm not sure we can, you know, that's not good enough. I call this mule versus magician in the do it selling book. A mule, think of a pack mule. A pack mule is just concerned about stuff. The more stuff, the heavier the box, the happier the pack mule is. So as a buyer, right, we're both buyers and sellers at all times. If you are a mule buyer, you will become a mule seller and you will fall into this trap. The opposite is a magician. A magician doesn't care about the stuff. A magician doesn't care about how long are the coaching calls? How much access do I get to Steve? You know, how big is the binder? How, how thick is the manual? Are you, are there 35 videos or are there 50 videos? We don't care about how long the videos are. The magician wants the result as quickly as humanly possible. They want the magic trick. They want the instant transformation and they want you to shorten the path and accelerate the speed to which they get to an outcome that they already know they want. The less stuff, the better, the faster, the better, the easier, the better. So how can you be the easy pass? How can you be the fast path to get them from where they are to where, where they wanna be with minimum talk of your stuff, your methodology, your models, your approaches, your training, your tools, your binders, your books, no one cares about that. What they care about is, can you get us there safer, smarter, faster than we can on our own? So there's also a chapter in the book that I talk about, sell the destination, don't sell the transportation, right? No one cares about the Boeing 787. They want to talk about the amazing romantic vacation in Paris that you're having with your partner with the sun rising over the Eiffel Tower and warm croissants and cafe au lait on your balcony. And they look into your eyes and they say, darling, this is the most amazing romantic vacation I've ever been on. Let's get married. I want to spend the rest of my life with you as opposed to the make and model of the airplane engines that got you there. Yeah, I think that's so well said um and so many in professional services get caught up in that because you've spent so much time perfecting you know practicing your profession i guess you know that that that's what we love to do and often that's what we love to talk about um yes. and it, sometimes we wrap our identity around that rather than focusing on on the outcome david this is awesome you and i could go on forever on this stuff you have 77 uh, ideas and tips and things that will help people as they sell in the book. So where, where should they go to find the book? What's the best place for them to get the book and where should they learn more about your other programs? Sure. And thank you for asking, Steve. So the book is sold wherever fine books are sold, including amazon.com and companion resources, downloads, tools, worksheets are at doitmarketing.com forward slash selling. And you can also buy the book there, but that's where all the downloads, all the free resources that will help you operationalize the ideas in the book. Uh, those are at doitmarketing.com slash selling. Awesome. We will link those in the show notes. We'll link directly to the book on Amazon so you can find it there. And we'll link to the, uh, the resources as well. David Newman, congrats on the new book. Thank you for investing some time with me today and, and sharing your wisdom with everyone. 
Always fun to hang out with you, Steve. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bringing in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.